years of experience or dollars built does not equal actual experience. Exactly. Uh, so our, all of our journeys are different. Our, our mental makeup is different. Uh, we all have, have different toolboxes that we're working with. So it's important that we, we take the time to get it right. And uh, the other component is many times we're reluctant to ask these questions because we're afraid of the consequences. Mm -hmm. If we ask a dumb question and it's perceived to be dumb mm -hmm. uh, or that we should have known already and that's not okay, mm -hmm. what does that say about the organization that you're working with? What does that communicate to you about what's important? Yeah. It's more important that you get everything perfect than it is that you acknowledge and, and admit that you don't understand the thing. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. Do we need to change our, our intro instead of saying business development to saying organizational development? No. You think we just leave it business development? Yeah. People know it's not about sales. Yeah, it's not. I mean, a little, but... No, I think, it's, I think it's fine. All right, good. I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Well, if you're good. Yeah, well. <laughs> and so goes Rome, as they say. That's And so goes Rome is not, it's not a thing. That's what they say. And so goes Rome. And so goes Rome. <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? Uh, well, this week we're talking about the power of stupid questions. Yes. So, so last week we had talked about, uh, we had Jason Jones on and had a very poignant and powerful episode about uh, whether or not Black Lives Matter in construction. If you didn't catch that one, go ahead and back up and check it out. You don't want to miss it. Really good. But this week, we're talking about the power of stupid questions. Well, and we, we said last week that we'd be talking about chief diversity officer this week, mm -hmm. but actually we have, uh, we're kind of putting something together that's going to take a little longer than we expected. So mm -hmm. keep your eyes open, watch for it. Yeah. Um, but that's not this week. But this week, we're talking about the power of stupid questions. Yes. And this is a hot topic, something that we run into with a lot of our, our coaching clients. Uh, and it's, it's essentially the nature of getting comfortable with the idea of asking stupid questions. Yep. So uh, there's a quote that I really like that is uh, by George Bernard Shaw. And yeah, he said, Mary's a fangirl of George Bernard Shaw. I don't know about that, but you know, you know what? I actually don't know who George Bernard Shaw was, but I know that I see quotes from him like all the time. Don't you think if we're quoting him, we should know who he was? Let's go see who he is. I assume it's was. That's just know. what I'm assuming. Well, you don't know that. George Bernard Shaw. You know what? You could say... I saw something about eugenics. Uh-oh. <laughs> you could say that asking the question, who is George Bernard Shaw, is a stupid question. It is question. totally. Let's... He promoted eugenics and alphabet reform and opposed vaccination. Okay. So... Maybe I won't say that quote then. <laughs> maybe I just won't even share that quote. Maybe we'll just maybe we'll just forget George Bernard Shaw ever existed right next to uh, H.P. Lovecraft. I thought we forgot he existed. Yeah, he didn't no, you exist. just remembered him. No, I forgot him. So part of the problem with communication is that a lot of the time we feel like we've communicated something and 
we have no verification that, that the person across the table heard what we intended to say. Well, and one of the problems is that communication, conversation, it is full of assumptions. Mm -hmm. And it would be easy, you know, there is the statement, oh, don't make assumptions. What, it makes an ass out of you and me, right? But the truth is, you cannot have a conversation with another person without having a certain number of assumptions. So if I went into a restaurant and asked them to make me a tuna sandwich, there would be a certain number of assumptions that would go into what I would expect to see. You don't have to go into the restaurant and tell them every single ingredient mm -hmm. that you want in that sandwich. And how it gets cut or how it gets so, prepared. I actually have a good example of this. What's that? So when my mom was pregnant with me, mm -hmm. she has... She said, I want a normal baby. Yeah, and that assumption just didn't work out. No. No, she she went into a restaurant that she had been in a thousand times. It was the, rest, the Hessville restaurant. It was a restaurant where she ate all the time. And she had a craving for a hot dog, even though she had never ordered a hot dog in that restaurant before. And she was, like, very far along in her pregnancy, orders this hot dog. And what she gets is, like two hot dogs split in half and roasted on a plate mm -hmm. which maybe you could handle that as a normal person eating food but that's when you're pregnant and you have a craving that's not what you're looking for precisely yeah so there are assumptions there are assumptions about what that food is going to look like what you're going to get and so just in basic communication we make a lot of assumptions just in the the shorthand of, of conversation every single day absolutely. and I think that construction is pretty unique in that there's tons of jargon there are tons of acronyms mm -hmm. there are tons of words that that only exist in construction or they if they exist there and other places they're different in construction it's true and so we could have a whole episode or whole series on just construction jargon um, but, I still hear words that I don't know what they mean well and every time you do you need to stop and and ask I always do so the, the uh, catch with construction, though, is that whenever you have new folks coming in to construction who don't know this stuff, or if you're working in a different region than, than where you have experience working before, or you're working with folks who come from Canada or, or Midwest or East Coast, mm -hmm. a lot of those jargon words mean different things or they're referred to mm -hmm. uh, differently based on where you're at. And well, we talked a little bit about that with, with Luke Powers mm -hmm. in terms of... Uh, which which pieces of equipment has what name? Uh, it depends on where you're at. Well, so so in all this jargon, there are pieces of jargon that have very precise, very specific meanings. Mm -hmm. So this is you're I think just seeing my question mark in my outline, which yeah. was because I was going to ask you if you have an example. What is a word that if you know what that word means in construction, it really doesn't leave any room for for misinterpretation. Like, uh, if I tell you I want a 12-foot scissor lift, mm -hmm. is that a thing? Sure. You is. could tell someone you want. Yeah. Uh, See, so I guess my point, what I'm trying to get at here is there are all these terms that have very precise meanings, and you may or may not know what that meaning is, mm -hmm. right? So what then I see happening all the time is that people, especially newer people in the industry, they hear all these other words mm -hmm. and they assume that those other words are the same thing. That they have very precise right? meanings. So design assist is a great example. Mm -hmm. I have now heard several different people speak to you mm -hmm. with the assumption that design assist is a word that has a very precise and immutable meaning, mm -hmm. a specific meaning, and either you understand what design assist means or you don't. Yep. 
And so the interesting thing about Design Assist, this came about in, in a couple of coaching uh, sessions here recently, where one of our clients was about 80% into a construction project providing Design Assist services. And they, I, I said, what does that mean? What, what does that mean to you? What, what service are you providing there? And the guy said, I don't know. And then he brought that question up to his customer, uh, the, the general contractor, and they didn't know. And he brought that question up to the owner of the project and they didn't know. And everybody kind of had their own guess, but no one took the time to actually define what design assist meant. And so in the context of construction, it can it can mean different things based on who you're talking to. Well, and that's, so I guess the point is design assist is a thing then that you need to actually define. It's like a bucket. Mm -hmm. It's a type of task that you need to define. So just like if you say build, mm -hmm. I want you to build things at this project. Well, that's build isn't, build tells you something, but it doesn't really tell you what you're building. So there's a, a term that is leave out unit. Mm -hmm. uh, and a leave-out unit is basically a unit that's out of sequence on a tower project where you have a material lift. And the material lift, you have unfinished units on every single floor. And a leave-out unit is a, a term that's used that means that everyone is going to have to come back out of sequence to finish that single unit. Mm -hmm. So it means something specific and discrete. It's going to look a little bit different, but generally speaking, it's going to look the same. Whereas design assist, it could mean... Uh, 100%, we could have a 100% disconnect in our level of perceived effort for that service. And so ultimately it means that our expectations are not gonna be in alignment. Right, because it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean a specific thing. You can understand design assist very well and still not know what exactly is being captured in that contract. And there are a lot of folks who even kind of make up their own words or yeah. make up their own phrases and they'll kind of cram these things together. And we had a case where uh, inside of a proposal, in, in a response for a request for a proposal, uh, there was a phrase that we exclude all content manipulation. And I've been in construction for, gosh, uh, what? 25, 30 years, and I've never heard the phrase content manipulation. Well, and then he asked me what it meant, mm -hmm. and uh, I spend a lot of time doing the various marketing work that we put out, uh, and so when I heard content manipulation, like if you build a website for someone and you mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to include content manipulation, what you're saying is, uh, you give me pictures, I'll put them on your website, but I won't edit those pictures. Right. I won't... Uh, colorize the pictures or so that's content manipulation means something yeah. in a digital format but it had no bearing on this work that was being done yeah. and I, I couldn't figure out what the context was so I asked we were going through the process of reviewing a contract and the answer was it means we're not going to move your junk around on site so if we're working on site with with an occupied ownership uh, we're not going to move your things around and I thought well couldn't we just say that Right. Couldn't we just say, you know, we're not going to move owner belongings? Well, and the reason why we didn't say that, I think, is another good good thing to talk about a little. Because we get into contract mode, mm -hmm. and then we feel like we have to use this elevated language because right. contracts use elevated language. And so then there's this feeling that you can't just say, we won't move your stuff around. I think the most important part is that we communicate our intent that we have a shared understanding. So even if we have to use plain spoken words and we don't have uh, eloquent uh, master's level um, 
speech or, or vocabulary, communicating the message is more important in contracts and in technical writing yep. than anything else. Well, and I think we see this a lot where people try to use elevated language in contracts and end up being less clear, which is the exact opposite of the intent. Mm -hmm. The reason that contracts use that that weird, you know, quote unquote legalese language is that they take words that are not everyday words mm -hmm. on purpose mm -hmm. and they give them very specific meanings mm -hmm. so that when you say something like uh, subordination in a First contract, yeah, yeah, then we have a very defined meaning of what that means in the legal code, which mm -hmm. is our dictionary that we go back to. So when you just use big words in a contract that don't actually have very specific defined meanings, mm -hmm. then it makes it feel like it fits in the contract, but yeah. you're actually going counter to the intent oh, yeah. of that legal language. Yeah. Well, and the worst part is that then when you take that contract or any of the innards of the contract and try to pass it to your field, they don't know what's going on either. So they, they can't even manage the work that they're expected to manage because we've unnecessarily complicated things. Yep, absolutely. So it's important that when we're, we're thinking about the words that we're using, we use the, the easiest to understand words that, that we have access to that still communicate the message. So then we'll also see words that are specific to like a very particular skill or task. Mm -hmm. So one example is scheduling. Mm -hmm. So scheduling is really important to construction and people high up on the chain usually understand at least some basic scheduling concepts. So if you're a professional scheduler, you have a whole array of scheduling terms that you use uh, that are unique to your trade. But even as a project manager, mm -hmm. you probably understand more of those terms mm -hmm. than say the field guys. So when we're working with, with coaching folks and we're having this, this conversation about stupid questions, I'll always pay attention to when people in the room are using words that I think someone in the room doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And I try to create an atmosphere where uh, we make it okay to ask those questions. So I'll intentionally pause. When I hear a word just get bandied about, many times the owner or the, the team lead assumes that everybody else in the room knows what that word means. Mm -hmm. And I'll take a pause and take a read of the room. Okay, did everybody understand what that meant? So and so. Uh, go ahead and tell me what that means, just, just to make sure we're, we're square. Mm -hmm. And you hear that no one in the room other than the owner or the, the team lead knows the meaning of that word. So it's really important that we pay attention to the vocabulary level of the people that we're working with because we can work together for 10 years and just assume people know what we're talking about. But it's also not just vocabulary level, it's mm -hmm. frame of reference mm -hmm. because I think it's easy here. One of the mistakes that we make often is we go, well, they're a smart person. They've been to college. Right, they're smart, so right. they must understand yep. all the They've words. They've been in the industry for 30 years. But the truth is the field guys are gonna know words mm -hmm. that the project manager might not know. Yeah. And the project manager is going to know words that the field guys don't know and neither one of those are words that necessarily the smartest college professor would know. But if we want solid communication it's important that we take the time to get it right. So we need to think about the other person's frame of reference. Mm -hmm. So in that case we were talking about scheduling lead or lag and no one in the room knew what we were talking about. So we just take a minute to back up and make sure that everybody is on the same page. Uh, because if we don't understand words we're going to pay less attention. We're going to miss the context of the ideas that come after. So it's, and we do this in our, in our training as well. The idea that we need to make sure that everybody's following and there are usually tells from people when they're not, mm -hmm. uh, where their eyes will just kind of glaze over, they'll start looking at something else, their attention drifts, and it's important that we pull everybody in and keep everybody together. So 
one one common miss that we see is that on project teams or when people have new opportunities there's promotion and you're in a new role you are terrified that someone will find out that you don't know something mm -hmm. and I think that if I could change one thing about the industry I and mean, this is close to the top uh, that there is so much hubris there is so much um, fear that that you don't people will find out that you don't know everything mm -hmm. it creates this this kind of toxic environment where uh, making mistakes isn't okay mm -hmm. and and not being perfect is not okay and then it just turns into anger and frustration and kind of this whole machismo thing uh, but I think when we're in that situation uh, we will assume we'll, we'll fear that everybody else actually knows what this thing is knows mm -hmm. what this word is and that's not the case. Yep, exactly. And then, so we think, oh, well, they have it. Obviously, even if we're not afraid to ask the question, mm -hmm. it's easy to just take the stance of going, well, I mean, obviously somebody has this figured I, out. I don't need to worry about it. A lot of work and energy and effort went into this contract. I know that the people above me worked hard on this, so obviously somebody knows what it means. But in the case of that design assist comment, no one knew. No one had a written definition or a shared definition of what it meant. Yep. And so if you're the person who calls it out, I think that, that you can be afraid that you don't want to make your boss look dumb yep. if they don't know. Uh, you don't want to make the customer look dumb. Yeah. Um, you don't want to personally look stupid. Yeah. You don't want to lose face in front of the clients. You don't want to be the dumb guy who didn't know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But I think that it can, it can really be problematic if we go this far into projects day after day over and over again with all of these unasked questions mm -hmm. just going unasked. Well, and the, the problem is that it's going to come up. It's going to come mm -hmm. up and it's going to come up when it's a showstopper. Yep. It's going to come up when it's a problem. It's going to come up when we now disagree mm -hmm. and we're now upset and now money has been spent and lost and now somebody has to eat this and now we're going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. When if you just would have asked the question early on, then you could have gotten out ahead of all of that. So if we have a disagreement about a design budget or design responsibility, would you rather deal with it in the heat of the project when everything is on fire and we're short on budget and short on time and that's when we pick our fight? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather have it out at the beginning of the contract when we're still in the honeymoon phase and we can uh, work together constructively to, to hash out a good uh, understanding. Yeah, and then we can go through the project with everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everybody that, that we work with to ask stupid questions, to be the person that is willing to put yourself out there because I think it says things about you as a person mm -hmm. that, that speaks volumes more than the stupid question itself. Well, this is a slightly different concept but along the same lines that one of the best pieces of interview advice that I always keep in mind when you're at a job interview is if someone asks you a tough question and it's job interview but this is conversation in general this mm -hmm. is sales this is people if someone asks you a tough question and you need a minute to think about it mm -hmm. people often feel as though they have to fill every to single talking. second with speech yep. and so they'll just leap into an answer but the truth is that the perception of you, if you say, wow, that's a good question, let me think about that for a minute, and then let 15 seconds of silence pass mm -hmm. before you try to answer that question, and then answer in a way that you actually got a second to think about, mm -hmm. 
that 15 seconds of silence doesn't make you look stupid. It makes you look smart. It makes you look confident enough to take your time to think about a thing. It says volumes about you. And people go through such, they jump through so many hoops to not do that, Mm -hmm. even though to do that is really the smartest thing you can do. And so in the same way, I think that that silence of thinking about a thing and that asking the stupid question, they're kind of bound together. It's the Mm -hmm. same idea that being the one who is willing to ask the question in the room, it makes you look like you care whether or not you know the answer. And I I think that uh, when, when we talk about the idea of all of these questions, all of these problems will show themselves. Mm-hmm. By the time we wrap up the project, all of these things will be out in the open. Uh, so would you rather be the person that that was the catalyst for that, that actually mm-hmm. unearthed that question or unearthed that problem? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather be the person that just didn't think about it until the whole building was on fire? Yeah, because I think there's a, we look at this in the short term, we feel like we'll look dumb in the room at that moment. Is that that really the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. But if we call something out that ends up becoming a major issue that we resolve early and we save the company a bunch of money Mm -hmm. and you're the one who did that, Mm -hmm. you look pretty smart in the long term. Yeah, well, and I think that too, if you're in the room with with your customer, uh, in this case of the design assist, with the general contractor, with the owner's rep, and you ask a question that no one in the room knows the answer to, mm-hmm. that's who I want on my team. Yep. That's who I want as, as a part of, of our project to make sure that we're asking those questions mm-hmm. early so that we don't find ourselves locked into a corner. Yeah, uh, And so if you don't know the answer to this thing, Chances are, this is just like in grade school, chances are there are other people in the room who also don't know the answer to the question. Yep, you're probably not the only one who doesn't know. So uh, if I, I always like to make space, if your leadership does know the answer to the question, make sure that, that we give them space to give that answer because oftentimes they like to. Well, and that's, that. yeah, the point is that we're giving them that opportunity to share their knowledge with us that... We would otherwise, if we never ask the question, mm-hmm. then that that moment doesn't get to happen where they get to tell you the answer. They, there's some kind of bonding that happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can recount a story that helps clarify mm-hmm. uh, how they learned about that concept. And it also, it gives them a better picture of where you are. Mm-hmm. So if I show up and they, they have these assumptions that I'm at a certain level of knowledge and I start asking questions, there's this fear that, oh, then they'll think I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, then they'll understand what information you need mm-hmm. and have the opportunity to give it to you. And years of experience or dollars built does not equal actual experience. Exactly. Uh, so our, all of our journeys are different. Our, our mental makeup is different. Uh, we all have have different toolboxes that we're working with. So it's important that we we take the time to get it right. And uh, the other component is many times we're reluctant to ask these questions because we're afraid of the consequences. Mm -hmm. If we ask a dumb question and it's perceived to be dumb Mm -hmm. uh, or that we should have known already and that's not okay, Mm -hmm. what does that say about the organization that you're working with? What does that communicate to you about what's important? It's more important that you get everything perfect Mm -hmm. than it is that you acknowledge and and admit Mm -hmm. that you don't understand the thing. Well, if you work at an organization where they discourage asking questions, then you work at a 
a place where they discourage learning and mm-hmm. teaching, and that's not gonna, in the long run, be a great place to work. Well, and unless unless that's for you, but I think if if you're a person who really loves learning, and you're a person who who is outgoing, and you're willing to put yourself out there, and and you're looking for a place that that it's okay to ask stupid questions mm-hmm. at. I challenge everybody who's on the job hunt, who you're in an interview, uh, we always say that you should be interviewing for your position as hard, if not harder, than they're interviewing you. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that I would bring with me to every interview that I participate in is, uh, is it okay to ask stupid questions here? Mm -hmm. Is this a culture where we can ask stupid questions? Mm -hmm. Is that that something that we promote? So that leads us really to the next point because that whole conversation is if you are the person who is new somewhere or even who isn't new somewhere, if you don't understand something, you should ask the question. Mm -hmm. But the bigger picture conversation is how can I make sure at my company that my team are asking the stupid questions? Mm -hmm. And the answer is that we have to to make that part of our culture. Mm -hmm. We have to have a culture where that's not just accepted but encouraged and drawn out. And there are a lot of great examples of how this exists in the wild. A lot of people who, who do it well on every project that I ran, uh, my, my goal and my focus was creating an environment where uh, those questions are, are not just welcome, but they're encouraged. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a, a story about Zappos here yep. recently. Uh, yeah, so they ha- I recently read that they have what they call their Ask Anything newsletter. And the idea is that it's a newsletter that comes out, I don't know, once a month, mm-hmm. every couple weeks, In, whatever Internal it is. to the employees. Internal to mm-hmm. the employees, just, yeah. just an internal employee thing. And, and a lot of companies actually put these sorts of things out. When you get to a certain size, mm-hmm. uh, there are regular newsletters that come out. That's it's standard like, you know, fare. what's going on in the yeah. company. But what this does is everybody who works there is encouraged to submit Basically, they're stupid questions. Mm-hmm. Submit whatever questions they have, things they see, ideas they have, thoughts they have. It's the Ask Anything newsletter. Mm-hmm. And the idea is exactly what we've been saying, that if you don't know, probably other people don't know as well. Mm-hmm. And so you send that question in. Uh, they have someone who builds that newsletter and writes the answers to those questions, mm-hmm. sends it out to everyone. Everybody can read that and have access to those answers. Mm-hmm. And then they even encourage people to submit to that newsletter by doing like a uh, drawing with mm-hmm. something like a coffee card for everyone who submitted something. Mm-hmm. Um, it it also from a, the perspective of someone who has had to do this job before mm-hmm. of building the newsletter it's a really smart idea because it's a really easy newsletter to put out because you just take the questions find the answers mm-hmm. you don't have to generate content or come up with stuff for the newsletter yeah i think it'd be an interesting newsletter to read i oh, think yeah. if i worked at that company i would be way more interested in reading mm-hmm. people's questions and the answers to them than i would be in a lot of the content that normally goes into those kind of newsletters in construction the single best way to learn a project to learn about a project is to go through the RFIs, to go through the request for information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked on a project where, where I came in uh, part-time and we I, I posted a thousand RFIs over the course of a week and it was crazy, it was bonkers, <laughs> where I basically had to update the drawing set to reflect all of those changes because they had fallen behind. And by the time I left that project, I knew that project 
uh, so well and better than a lot of people who had been on it for a year mm -hmm. because I saw every question and every answer to to a thousand different issues on the project mm -hmm. and I think that you could learn so much about a company if you went back through the history mm -hmm. of those newsletters if you on board with that company and you go back through the last year of uh, the Ask Anything newsletter, mm -hmm. you could learn so much about the culture and about what's important and about mm -hmm. the details of what it means to be be part of this. Yeah, and it could be really easy to keep that somewhere where anyone could get to any edition of the, the newsletter that mm -hmm. ever came out. Yeah, uh, but I think it's it's important that, that we should challenge ourselves and challenge each other to ask those stupid questions. Mm -hmm. But at the level that you're not necessarily... Uh, you're not necessarily doing internal marketing to so the level that you're ready to have a newsletter. If you're not Zappos. If you're not Zappos. Um, well, but you don't have to be Zappos to like have an internal newsletter. You, you really don't. You really don't. But not regardless, either. yeah. If if you're not there, um, a, a small thing you can do is at those times when you have everyone together, at those company meetings, mm -hmm. at those project, project meetings, meetings yep. whatever it is, have a section for these kind of questions. And that's not the time when you get to the end of the meeting and you say, anybody have any questions? Mm -hmm. Because that's not encouraging a, stupid questions. It's that a different is, thing. This is taking some time. Mm -hmm. And again, draw those things out. Build initiatives to mm -hmm. encourage those the, that kind of participation. And I even will put a, a section on the meeting minutes that is stupid questions. Mm -hmm. And challenge everybody or assign everybody that everybody who shows up, you have to bring a stupid question with you. Mm -hmm. And it's okay and and the more that we normalize that the more that we make it okay and we're much less likely to miss things mm -hmm. sometimes big things and it creates you know more importantly it creates that culture that that it's okay to not know a thing yeah right it, it, it I think that it says a lot about who we are as a people and as mm -hmm. a team when we make things when we make imperfection okay yeah well and we all need to keep in mind I think it's not even just imperfection mm -hmm. but when you have done something and known something very well for a really long time, it can get difficult to remember what it's like not to know it. Mm -hmm. It can get difficult to remember. Uh, there's a, a video, like a show that we, we watched recently that is called, I don't remember what it's called. You'll remember what it's called when I start to describe Five it. Levels. Five Levels, mm -hmm. yes. Where they take a complex subject and then they one was like harmony yeah and they explain it five times so it starts out and they're explaining it to like a little kid mm -hmm. and then they're explaining it to a teenager mm -hmm. and then they're explaining it to a college student who's in a field that's kind of related mm -hmm. and then they are uh, talking about that subject to a professional mm -hmm. and then they talk about that subject to someone that they consider like an industry master mm -hmm. and it's really interesting how thing. The, the vocabulary changes the vocabulary changes mm -hmm. even like the way that we're talking about the subject where mm -hmm. when we're explaining something to a little kid it's just the very top mm -hmm. shallow simple layer of the thing whereas when we're talking to the master there's no point talking about any of that shallow stuff you get right into the the deepest part of that subject matter so it's important that we don't assume that everybody's operating at the level that we're operating at and make sure that we take the time to, to explain and share and, mm -hmm. and create that culture where it's okay to ask stupid questions. Well, and it's, people will say that. Explain it to me like I'm a kindergartner. Mm -hmm. And that seems silly, but it can help to think about that. How would I explain this to a kid? Mm -hmm. How would I explain this to a teenager? Yeah. Because there's some value there to think. When you start thinking about the things they wouldn't know, mm -hmm. they wouldn't understand, 
start trying to parse that into what the person you're talking to wouldn't know, wouldn't understand. Did we do it? I think we did it. I mean, we don't have any, again, we were like way too all the way through. We didn't really have any outtakes. It's that kind of day. I, it is. Yeah. So uh, watch for you our... You like weren't a problem at all. I was in the beginning. Did you? I just cut that out, though. Yeah, that's true. It was really before we started. Uh, so <laughs> we, we do have our upcoming episode about the, the chief diversity officer position in construction. So we're doing good. some homework on that to, to get it just right. And another uh, another one that's got some Star Wars references that's coming up. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So pay attention. Uh, we're going to have an upcoming episode about maintaining the Death Star as yep. it relates to building maintenance. Yep. So, fun stuff. Really excited. Uh, so, if, uh, well, what else? So, you can see us at, uh, watch for us on Builder Chat. I think yeah. we're rolling that back to every other week, beginning uh, the 25th. So, 25th and the 9th and two weeks after that. Uh, and we're still available to do remote training. And it looks like we're on the, the cusp of rolling in-person training back out, but we'll see what happens in the world. Sure. Uh, we can have short meetings in the, the, over coffee. Yeah, we can meet with one person mm -hmm. easily. So if you want to be that person. Yeah, well, not just one person, <laughs> but one person at a time. Oh, okay, not and, like one person ever. No, and then we can have groups of... We can have groups in here, which like is really just limited by how many people we can get in at that six foot distance. But that's math. It's math. Okay, so you can find us. You can find us at www.arcadewayfinding.com. If you want to jump straight to the podcast, it's www.thecriticalpathpodcast.com. That's correct. Uh, you can find us on Friendster. That's. I don't think Friendster is even up anymore. You can find us on Hamster Hammy Jam. That's probably is a thing. It probably Remember is. Remember the thing. hamster website with the little singing hamsters, oh, the hamster dance? Oh man, that was a great website. I can't believe that was a whole website. I should put the music in. You can find us on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, I think we do have a presence on Twitter, although it's minimal. It's really just announcements of every podcast episode. So if you're on Twitter and you want to remember when podcast episodes come out, Here we go. check it out. <laughs> we will see you next time. Yeah, watch for it. Watch for it. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? No. I'm not. You ready? No. Yes. I'm ready. Scroll up. I need my... Who? I need my thing. What? My... Th there. That thing. Welcome to the Critical... Ooh. Bleh. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> I hear you saying it every week. Welcome to the cri Critical Path. Oh! Jason and Mary. You said it backwards. That's not the name of the podcast. Well, it's what everybody's been listening to it's, in their minds. It's not... It's not. It's the critical path with Mary and Jason. We've talked about this. I know, like, for two years now. But you had your chance. You missed your chance. And I guess it's just... I shot my shot. You shot... You didn't shoot your shoot. That's the whole point. You didn't even pick one. You just said you didn't care. That's why I passive-aggressively made it the critical path with Mary and Jason. And now you know the rest of the story funny in builder chat when Glenn was like oh they're fighting and I was like see you don't listen to our podcast <laughs> you don't know this is just how we are you can tell are you ready yep welcome to the crit
Now you got in my head about it. <laughs> okay. Good luck. <laughs>